Hi, I'm Tom Marks with the Marks Law Firm and welcome back to the Healthy Family Law Attorney video series on YouTube. Thank you for joining us. We are finishing up our four-part series on what to do in a custody battle. What are the factors under the Florida statutes, uh, section 61.13? And there are 20 factors. So in the first three videos, we've gone over the first 15 factors. And now we're gonna dive into the last five factors in this part four of the video series. If you didn't watch the first three, go back and watch uh, those because it's gonna be very helpful to you. So your family matters. And so it is our purpose to provide hope and help to your family in the family law process, whether it's divorce, custody, paternity, or whatever you're going through, uh, we're here to help you. So we wanna do it in a healthy way, so I will be giving you a healthy living tip at the end of the video as I have on the prior videos. So let's dive in. Factor number 16 under the Florida statutes the court must look at in every family law custody case, which is gonna be involved with the parenting plan, whether there's gonna be sole or parental, uh, shared parental responsibility. Factor number 16, the demonstrated capacity and disposition of each parent to participate and be involved in the child's school and extracurricular activities. Okay, so this is similar to factors number two and number 15. Factor two was the anticipated division of parental responsibilities. And factor uh, number 15 was parenting tasks customarily performed. So those are similar, but this is drilling down into exactly what the parents are gonna do with regard to school and extracurriculars. So think about it in, in these terms. The court's gonna to wanna to know that you're very involved with the kids' school. You're gonna to wanna to know the names of the teachers, the classes your uh, children are taking, uh, what they're, uh, how they've done on the tests so far during the year, what their grades are, uh, prior uh, year teachers, um, teacher uh, parent uh, uh, conferences that you've been to, those kinds of things for school um, so that the court knows that you're a very involved parent. This is an important factor for that. Also, extracurricular activities. So are the kids in extracurricular activities? You'll need to know what they are, um, if they're sports, who their coaches are, if they're dance, who their teachers are, and so forth. So. Um, before you ever get into the courtroom or even a deposition, you need to know these factors and you need to know this information. Your attorney should adequately prepare you so you're not uh, caught off guard so that uh, opposing counsel or uh, the other parent can't make you look bad to the court with regard to these factors. So let's move on to number 17, the demonstrated capacity and disposition of each parent to maintain an environment for the child which is free from substance abuse. All right, so we've already talked about moral fitness. So this one is about substance abuse. So it can also, it can be alcohol, it can be illegal drugs, or even uh, abuse of prescription drugs. I've seen that many times in court proceedings 
where um, one spouse will accuse the other of uh, abusing prescription drugs, obtaining uh, painkillers uh, from the doctor when they're not needed. Uh, but more often than not, I see uh, where one parent will accuse the other parent of excessive alcohol consumption, uh, excessive partying, uh, driving the children in the car under the influence. So there's a, a powerful um, device called Soberlink that uh, we utilize oftentimes where uh, one of the parents will have to blow into the device, be tested for um, alcohol, blood alcohol levels um, before, after driving the children, uh, hopefully before, before you let them drive the children, or even um, during the time-sharing period. So it really depends. Uh, this can be uh, done by agreement between the parties or their counsel, or it can be ordered by the court. So Soberlink is one uh, option. There are other options like random drug testing, uh, different types, hair follicle, um, nails, whatever, that will um, show that there's been drug use within a set period of time. I've seen people um, actually cut their hair super short to try to avoid that or cut their nails super short. Um, those are obviously telltale signs when that's not common for them. Okay, moving on, um, factor number 18 of 20 under this statute. The ca capacity and disposition of each parent to protect the child from the ongoing litigation as demonstrated by not discussing the litigation with the child not sharing documents or electronic media related to the litigation with the child and refraining from dis, uh, disparaging comments about the other parent to the child. Okay, this is a super common problem in family law cases where the parents involve the minor children in the litigation. They'll share uh, court orders, they'll share uh, filings, um, what they may have filed in a motion with the allegations about the other parent. Um, they will sometimes use the children as um, vessels for communication with the other parent. Uh, they'll show uh, the children different documents in the case. All of this is terrible. Uh, it involves children in adult issues and litigation issues, which the court will uh, punish uh, the violating parent for. This is one of the um, harsher things I've, th I've seen judges um, um, penalize parents for. So don't talk to your children about the case. Don't tell them where you are in the case, uh, whether you have a, a hearing coming up on a certain motion for contempt against the other parent, or even when the trial is. Those are not issues for the children to be involved in. And the non-disparaging part of it is really important too. Um, oftentimes, if there's a lot of uh, trashing the other parent, disparaging the other parent, um, and kind of getting the, try to get, trying to get the child on your side, uh, 
What the lawyers will often do is ask the court for an order for a social investigation, for a parenting coordinator, for a guardian ad litem. I like the social investigation because it's typically performed by a skilled um, psychologist with a PhD, it can be a licensed mental health therapist, but they can often get from the children what the parents are saying. And they may do play therapy, uh, tray therapy with the children, younger children, to find out whether one of the parents is trying to alienate uh, the children from the other parent by disparaging the other parent. And then that social investigator or that parent coordinator or even a court-appointed um, co-parenting therapist, um, they can make a, re a report and recommendation to the court and tell the court what's going on. So um, some parents think they can get away with it and be secretive of it, but oftentimes it comes out and it comes out and it bites that parent. So don't do that. Don't disparage the other parent and don't share anything about the case with any of the children, no matter how old they are, whether they're 16 or 17. If they're minors, they're under the age of 18, or they're still subject to the jurisdiction of the court, don't share anything about the legal proceedings with the children pursuant to this provision of the statute. So um, item number 19, the developmental stage and needs of the child and the demonstrated capacity and disposition of each parent to meet the child's developmental needs. So this is interesting. Developmental needs, obviously younger children uh, have different developmental needs than older children. Uh, in Florida, we used to have something called the doctrine of tender years. That was done away with uh, back in the 70s. Uh, it used to say that uh, uh, children of tender years, young children should be with their mother, obviously with women's lib and uh, gender neutral uh, provisions in the statute uh, is no longer effective. So this is an interesting um, provision in the statute that taking into consideration the developmental needs. It doesn't mean that one gender can necessarily uh, provide better uh, parenting for younger children versus older children this is a so this is a very subjective factor I think as long as uh, it doesn't matter if you're mom or dad if you're involved in for even young children changing di diapers um, earlier bedtimes um, providing um, appropriate food and and so forth for younger children versus older children considering their developmental needs being involved in their um, extracurricular activities this is kind of related to the prior uh, one of the prior factors but um, I think it's a very difficult factor for the court to really apply but because it does it's not a gender specific uh, provision okay all right so finally, the last factor is any other factor uh, that is relevant uh, to the determination of the specific parenting plan, including the time-sharing schedule. So any other factor, you as the client are gonna know the facts of the case better than anyone else. You know your children, you know how they may have um, special needs, uh, medically, emotionally, 
uh, educationally or otherwise. Um, so you need to let your attorney know those. If there's something different or unique about your child that the court uh, needs to take into consideration, um, let your attorney know so you can prepare that as part of the case. We haven't really talked about religion here. It's not really in, in, the, in the factors, um, but if there's some specific involvement of your child in um, religious training or in the church or in a youth group or something like that, then let your attorney know that. Um, typically what I see with those is the court says, well, uh, the parent who has the children during their time sharing can have the children involved in religious training or take them to church. If there's a, a, a certain series of, of, of training events that will happen across the board uh, during both parents' um, time sharing with the minor child or children, then the court can order that the child be taken to all of those training or classes or whatever. So those are the kinds of um, any other relevant factors. So anything that's relevant, let your attorney know. So I hope this has been helpful. If it has, um, would love it if you would subscribe to the channel, uh, at least hit the like bu button so uh, others can, uh, can know that this is a valuable content. Um, if you have any questions or comments, please put those in the comment section below. Um, for a healthy living tip, I have been talking at the last three videos about getting a, a good night's sleep, keep maintaining a healthy rest. We talked about lighting. We talked about uh, making it quiet, uh, cooler, you know, all those kinds of things. The last thing I would say is um, try to avoid excessive alcohol, especially in the evenings, because that can really um, affect your ability to get a good night's sleep. So alcohol, of course, in moderation. Um, I want my clients always to be healthy, um, to be alert, to be a part of the team. You are, uh, you know the facts, as I've said. So you're the fact person, the fact part of the team. We know the law, we provide the law, we put the facts and the law together and make it very effective. So thank you for uh, watching this four-part series. And as always, we're gonna be posting our next videos on Wednesdays each week. So look for our next video. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks.